This is Emily Beauclair, and you're listening to the Smiles Included podcast, navigating through life with our rare disease superheroes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode eight. Today, I am interviewing Yelena House, who is the mom to Andrew, who is 19 and has Scraben Deerdorf. And I've actually been wanting to talk to her for a while, and that's because of something we even talk about in this podcast is when I first got the diagnosis for my son, and I went down that path of trying to figure out what this meant. And of course, Googling and reading everything about Scraben Deerdorf is quite depressing and not very helpful. And then I found the Scraben Deerdorf Facebook group and probably spent hours on that and was scrolling through it and found a video of Andrew cooking. Um, It was actually basically he was filming a cooking video where he was walking through how he was making cookies, what ingredients he was using, you know, what he was doing along the way. And it was just so amazing to see, you know, somebody older with the same thing that my son had. And it's just a perfect example of why I love that people are so willing to share their stories that was the first time that I had hope that my son will be able to speak. And we all need that. So so I want to officially thank Yelena for sharing that on Facebook, but also for talking to me for this podcast and sharing her story and Andrew's story with all of us. And I hope it does bring some hope to everybody of you know, some of the great things that our kids can achieve. I think it. she just gives so much great advice of, you know, keeping our head up and keep going. And I think a lot of us need to hear what she has to say. Please enjoy my interview with Yelena. Hi, Yelena, and welcome to the podcast. Let's kick it off the way I normally do with you telling me a little bit about your family. Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so a little bit about uh, myself and my family. We live in Pacific Northwest uh, in Washington State. My husband and I, uh, we are raising two uh, boys. Our younger one is Nick. He's 17. He is a neurotypical uh, child. And his older brother uh, is Andrew, who just turned 19. Uh, and he's our special child. So... Tell us a little bit about Andrew. So Andrew's 19 now. How old was he when he was diagnosed with Scraben Deerdorf? It was only two years ago wow. in 1920. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep track of the dates. <laughs> uh, so does does Andrew have anything else other than Scraben Deerdorf? He has a number of diagnoses, actually. Um, it was a very long journey to get to where we are right now well let me take a step back um when when andrew was born um he was premature uh he was delivered through c-section um at the 
37 weeks. Uh, we spent the week in the hospital in intensive care. But then when we came home, everything seems to be normal. He was a happy baby. Uh, he ate well. He slept well. He gained quite a bit of weight. And even though he was born um, five pounds, eight ounces, um, by the time he was three months old, uh, he already was in 75th percentile. And then as the time goes by, um, I start noticing that maybe he's a little bit delayed. Uh, he wasn't sitting when he's supposed to. He wasn't crawling. So at nine months old, I and we of course go to our primary care physician uh, on the schedule, and I was expressing my concerns. Uh, but I was told that the development scale is very low, and he's just at the other end of it. And so that was going on until he was like year and a half. At year and a half, I said. Look, um, he wasn't crawling until he was 12. We actually took him to physical therapy and start working with him on crawling. Uh, at the 14 months, he actually started walking. He started walking fairly fast. Um, so we went, we went for the evaluation with a neurologist um, at year and a half who didn't express any concerns. And then six months later, we end up with a different neurologist uh, Andrew was two at that time, and suddenly we got the diagnosis, global development delays. And I was completely devastated. I was just given the diagnosis, and it's like, there you go. <laughs> like, no, nothing, um, no suggestions what to do, where to go. And I just couldn't believe that how is it even possible to see all those doctors all these years and not a single concern. And suddenly you have this very, um, <laughs> very sort of bad sounding diagnosis of global development delays. So, so I start researching what we can do. I start looking for the resources. Uh, we end up in a, a birth to three program, but Andrew was almost turning three at the time, so we only was there for two months. Um, and then from that point, um, I start looking into the further diagnostics, different doctors. Uh, we signed up with um, Seattle's Children's Hospital, um, we waited for nine months to get in and I actually was very excited about the appointment. I was thinking we will be evaluated by multidisciplinary team and we will get get the answers. Um, nothing really came out of it either. Uh, we got um, PDD NOS, which is progressive development delays, uh, otherwise not specified. Um, then later on we got um, a typical autism which I was very much frustrated with as well um, because Andrew was very social. Uh, he was very much interested in people. He was nonverbal. Um, he did some stereotypical behaviors, but then later on I realized those behaviors actually came because of his OCD and anxiety. Um, so it really felt like he didn't really fit in with this diagnosis um, uh, but that was helpful in a way. We at least uh, start looking uh, how we can help uh, with um, all of the uh, challenges that he was experiencing because he was delayed in speech, he was delayed with his motor function, uh, with fine motor, gross motor. Uh, he had um, uh, sensitivity issues. Um, so... 
it's just, I, it's interesting your experience being 15 years before mine, um, but still like very similar. And I, I hate that you had to wait so long to get your diagnosis, but it's like even just getting the global delays. So that diagnosis so late meant that you couldn't get into the birth to three program until really late. Um, which that's unfortunate. And then did, did you put Andrew in regular school? How did that work? Um, so because I wasn't realizing, well, I didn't know, um, to what extent he's affected, right? Um, I was really hoping that with extra work, with extra therapies, with maybe private tutoring, uh, he could catch up. And actually, a lot of doctors were saying, we don't see... I would say there's nothing wrong with him. But they were saying, like, we, we, we feel like he can catch up. You know, you still have time, right? When he yeah. was three, like, he's still... Yeah, I'm mm-hmm, not surprised mm-hmm, they were saying mm-hmm. that to you. And yeah. then especially Andrew was raised in a household where there are two languages, like, specifically for speech. He said, don't worry, he will uh, start speaking sometime soon because he have to learn two languages. Well, I know that some of my friends, their kids, they learn two languages and they're already miles ahead of him. <laughs> In speech, um, uh, so uh, I hold him back uh, for kindergarten, and we got him ABA therapist who worked with him at home. And then when the time came to go to school, uh, I looked at the options. Uh, public school, uh, they offered him um, a class which wasn't inclusive. And I really thought that uh, it was crucial for him to have typical peers because Andrew was such an observer. Like, he would be very much hesitant to initiate activities, but he would just stay and observe the other kids. And that's it's normal because that's how he learns, right? Like, um, so I thought if I would put him in a class where he won't have typical hears, it just might put him even further behind. So, the, I mean, this is like Twilight um, Zone because I'm feeling like this is. <laughs> if I didn't have the Scraven Deerdorf <laughs> diagnosis, I was going down the same mm-hmm. path that you were. I kept thinking, like, I'll probably just yes. leave him behind a year and then he'll be with the. Then maybe mm-hmm. he'll be. He'll mm-hmm. fit in better. Um, so the fact that it, it's just like, I'm thinking that you are where I would have been if I didn't have the diagnosis. <laughs> I, I think really getting a diagnosis was, um, to us was a, a, a huge relief. Tell me a little bit more about his story going, I guess, cause there's so much time between where, where you are and getting the diagnosis. Like what, what was, what was his life like? Uh, yes. So let me finish yes, with school. Go ahead. And Sorry. Um, yeah, so. I'm cutting head. I'm so interested. Uh, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm jumping all over. I apologize. Um, so yeah. So we we put him in a private school. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fortunate. We found a school. It was a very small school, run from someone's basement. Um, actually, a group of Microsoft parents they organized the school for their kids, and that's how we got in. Um, I, what I really like about the school was one-on-one attention. 
um, and they were planning to expand. And then, in fact, they expand quite quickly. And in his class, he did have uh, typical peers, which served as a role model for him and other kids. Uh, but also, this uh, school was under ABA umbrella. Uh, and that was kind of a good of both worlds because insurance would actually pay because it was our insurance covered ABA. That was very helpful. Uh, otherwise, the private school was very expensive. We still had to pay out of pocket, but it wasn't as much um, as it would be without insurance. Um, yes, and so that's where Andrew was uh, until he graduated. Um, he graduated two years ago. Uh, he didn't get his high school diploma. He did get the certificate of accomplishment. Um, but it really was our choice um, because we thought that might be more useful for Andrew to work on lifelong skills versus academics. And Andrew can speak. So when did he get his voice? Uh, I'll share this story with you. I'll Every time I I share the story, I cry. I try not to. Um, so I will tell you a little bit about what we did and how it it's just the sequences of, of, of events. Um, I don't want to make any claims because other parents might take it in their own way. I, I don't, I guess, what I'm trying to say, and you will understand I mean, why I'm saying that. I don't want to give people false hopes. Because honestly, just a step back, we've done so many things with Andrew. Uh, we did uh, mainstream therapies. We did uh, biomedical interventions. At some point, we even did stem cells. We did hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And um, even in certain, and, and every time we did something, we've seen improvements, we've seen results. Did it really correlate to specific therapy? I can't really say that. Um, sometimes it might be co coincidental. We never know. Um, I, in fact, uh, one time we decided to do the biomedical protocol. I already got all the vitamins, and I decided to start him. But then I changed my mind, and a week from that, he had a huge developmental leap. And I was talking to my husband. I said, Rob, you know, if we would start him on this uh, vitamins, we would think this is the miracle, and that's what exactly did. But you know, so I really have to be careful with. Um, with, with claims, I think, or or correlating things which might have nothing to do with one another. Um, but so in, in in our case, since you asked me that, so what we did, we did hyperbaric oxygen therapy with Andrew. Back then, uh, Dr. Rasingol, Neil Bauer, Dr. Hirsch, they uh, would be on um, hyperbaric therapy. Uh, there were some research um, in certain areas. I know that hyperbaric, well, at least what I read, that helps uh, people with um, cerebral palsy because of uh, spasmatics. Um, I read some other things, so we decided to try. Uh, I believe it was Dr. Neva protocol, 90 hours. Uh, we bought a chamber. I still have it in my garage. It's a soft shell chamber. And we had to die dive in there for 90 hours. It was hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half at night. Uh, I think it was 30 days straight. Um, few 
so at that point, Andrew was four. He was nonverbal. He had three words in his vocabulary. It was help, daddy, and mommy. That's it. Nothing else. Uh, after we did the protocol, probably a week, a week to two days from there, I was cooking breakfast for Andrew. was in a hurry. I burned his pancakes. I put the plate of pancakes in front of him and I said, Andrew, I'm so sorry I burned your pancakes. And he said, Mommy, don't worry. Those pancakes as beautiful as my beautiful mommy. Oh my God. And I just stopped crying. All of those words at once? All of those words at once. It's a whole sentence. It's so well put yeah. sentence. And I was thinking like, oh my goodness, what it was going on in his little head. He, he has all these capabilities of speaking, putting together such a complicated sentences he wasn't able to get it out but then again I would never say if any ask, anyone ask me was it the hyperbaric therapy that did it I, I can't really say if it was um, it's of course easy to curl it and say oh my god we've done it and look at the results but there is no scientific proof to it yeah wow so you're making you're making me cry because because I just like know my son has all these words inside of him and I always want to know what he's saying and the fact that your son just like went from a couple of words yes. to just a, a sentence so what, after he yeah. said that was he just speaking that's interesting he was but not um, not to the extent that suddenly he started speaking in full beautiful sentences and everything was cohesive no uh so it still took him a long time um i think the biggest problem for him was to constructing the sentences a lot of times he would start like speaking backwards was the uh, the end of the sentence would come first and and of course it's work um he spent years and years in speech therapy um how old was he when when he, the pancake incident. Yeah, that was four. He was four. He was four. He was four. Oh, mm -hmm. I was imagining him older. Oh, wow. So he got his speech at, at a younger age than a lot of the Scraven Deardorff kids. That's okay. So tell, explain to me. So hyper, so hyperbolic, hyper is like an ox hyperbaric, hyperbaric oxygen. Thank you. Uh, therapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and I can send you links uh, once we're done. I, I, it was a long time ago. I've read so much. I I bought a book, like thousand pages, that actually treats a lot of off-label, uh, <laughs> off-label diseases. Um, uh, so there is a soft shell chamber. There is a heart. Uh, shell ch chamber and um, they're supposed to have a different indications and, and there is a um, indication uh, for the hyperbaric therapy uh, for um, for poison, certain uh, poisons and uh, wound healing I believe it's approved um, Wow, so then when he was going through school he was much he was able to communicate pretty well Well, I would say yes and no he could uh, but then again, because I know he had a lot of things inside of him, a lot. Uh, and there was a lot of built emotions. And, and maybe it was 
uh, attention or maybe there was something else I don't know but when he would come home from school he wasn't able to tell me what happened at school he actually sometimes wouldn't even tell me what he had for lunch or in fact I gave him lunch and dad comes home and he said Andrew what did you have for lunch he had no idea right <laughs> so um we had another interesting story um, when Andrew really opened up for me that was maybe a couple of years ago um, we did the acupuncture I, 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 I read somewhere that acupuncture is really good for releasing emotions and Andrew is a very emotional guy and I thought maybe that would help and so um Uh, we did the treatment and after the treatment he came home and it just started pouring out of him he started telling me all of his experiences when he was young when he was in school a lot of it was negative experiences no one brought it to me ever at school Uh, but I think because um, he wasn't really able to communicate that back to me and release those emotions he was start telling me what happened like 15 years ago Was it and yeah. those negative experiences? Was it just like how he was treated, or how he was treated? Yeah, I, I I hate hearing that, and I'm like I I keep hoping that the world is a better place now, but I don't know. I <laughs> I hear mixed things, um, but oh man. So so are there any other just out of the box weird? therapies that you tried that may or may not have been successful (laughs) (laughs) um i think we tried everything uh with the reason that i was able to find and um we we did um tomatis therapy it's a listening therapy music Mm, therapy um we did some other sort of music therapy um uh, we did uh, therapy to help him with sensory, but that was more OT. Uh, yeah. It was in OT. Are there um, are there any therapies that you, if you could do it all over again, you would have totally avoided? I would say I would avoid the therapy, but I definitely would be more mindful and selective about people who I'm hiring to provide this therapy. Because really, if we think about it, uh, say ABA therapy, it's a great therapy, it's a great approach if it's done correctly, but who is implementing it really depends on the person who implements the therapy um, just looking back uh, some of the providers that we had just wasn't the right fit for Andrew yeah, yeah, and, and that makes sense and that's definitely good advice um, sometimes I do wonder when I can't be there what's going on behind closed doors because um, I also again, like my son can't tell me um, so I do worry when he gets a voice later on, he's going to, that he's going to say, oh, you know, that therapy was the worst. Why'd you waste all my time? I'm like, your time. I wasted hours driving you there. <laughs> but hopefully nothing too negative. But again, I'm, that's why I'm just desperate for my son to speak. Um, so I am I am very jealous and very happy for you that, that Andrew has found his voice so young. Did anything change for you when you got the diagnosis? I would say definitely, yes. Yeah. It was such a long journey. Uh, it took us 17 and a half years to get the answer. Uh, it was a, a huge relief for us. It was important, but I think it's even more important for Andrew. Because um, when he was able to 
understand mm-hmm. his challenges, identify himself, compare himself to others, he started asking me. He would come home and he would say, Mom, such and such has a Down syndrome. But what is it I have? I don't have Down syndrome. Like, yeah, you don't have Down syndrome. Or such and such has autism. What is it I have? I don't have autism. And I said, yes. Well, and I didn't really have a good answer for him. I was saying, Andrew, everyone is different and you have just your own differences. And when yeah. we got diagnosed, I told Andrew uh, that he has a Scarbondia-Dorf syndrome. And uh, he went and he Googled it. He read about it. He looked at the pictures of kids. He wrote it down. He went to school. He proudly shared with everyone that he has a syndrome. He was proud of it. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, oh, I, lo- I love that. That's, that's, that's amazing. And I think that's, yeah, and you joined the larger community of Screaming Deerdorf, you know, kids and, and adults. Exactly. It's, it, it, it's really, uh, finally, um, I have a feeling of you belong somewhere. Yeah. You have a community. It's important. Yeah, I think that's, that's amazing. And I guess, can you walk us through a day in the life of Andrew right now? Uh, so right now, Andrew, he is in transition program. It's a work-to-school program uh, from 18 to 21. Um, every morning, uh, we get up around uh, 7 o'clock. He has breakfast. Uh, uh, his dad walks him to school um, about 10 minutes walk. Then Andrew spends his time there from 9 until 3 he works on uh, life skills. They teach them how to manage the budget, uh, how to write a resume, uh, and more importantly, and they take them as a volunteers. Uh, he goes to Salvation Army. He loves Salvation Army. He loves to uh, work at the at the store and sort things. Uh, the sorting is his thing, or cleaning is his thing. He loves cleaning. <laughs> uh, and then he comes home. Um, we have a snack, we go for a walk, we read, um, uh, he watches uh, shows, um, he listens music, he loves singing, um, and that's how our day goes by. How independent is he? For instance, I guess when, you know, in five years, do you ever imagine that he'd be able to, or 10 years even, just, you know, live on his own or... Um, maybe in an assisted living place, or do you think he might always be with you? Yeah, Emily, it's a great question. I think it's a question no one knows the answer for. Uh, I have to say that our kids are amazing. And things that Andrew is capable of today, I never thought he would be just even four years ago, honestly. You know, what's amazing about our kids is that they don't develop as typical children. Um, and definitely we shouldn't have expectations as for typical children. Um, those families uh, who have uh, siblings who are neurotypical, they could definitely see that you almost have, have to, don't have to put a lot of efforts, right, in a child. Um, we took a lot of things for granted, right, with uh, our Scrub and Deodor children. Uh, it's a different story. You put so much effort just for simple things, right, like when they're little feeding or walking and crawling. Um, but they also develop at a different rate. Um, 
I, I actually uh, let me share one story very quick if I have time. Uh, when Andrew was uh, two, somewhere from two until four, we uh, teach him how to ride a bike, and it took us probably a year and a half. Um, we would put him on the bike. I would show him how to do it. Uh, we would tie his feet to the bike, and then we would do the motion so he would learn how to do it. But no matter how hard we worked with him, every time he looks at the bike, he had no idea what to do with it. Right? We really have to sit him down, tie his feet, and we're looking at Andrew thinking, he will never be able to ride a bike. And so with that kind of feeling, you know, we go to work, we come home, and Andrew rides his bike just going in a circles around the kitchen island. And my husband and I were absolutely blown away because this morning was no indication he even knows what bike is. I actually talked to a neurologist about this. And he said one interesting thing. He said, imagine a building a highway. And then your highway has five uh, lanes. You build a lane one, lane two, then lane four and five. And you cannot use it. There is nothing happening. And you build the lane number three. And suddenly your whole highway is in full power and motion. And that's how his brain works. You might think he's not acquiring a skill, even though he already has this four lanes built. There is one gap left. It might be filled overnight. <laughs> Maybe not overnight, but in a very short period of time, suddenly you see that skill comes out. I love to hear you say that because some of the questions that like, I hear from people that listen to this or they ask, you know, is this therapy actually working? I feel like I'm not seeing any results. And I think sometimes you don't see those results and then all of a sudden it just clicks. But, you know, some of the therapies might not be doing anything. As you mentioned, you might have thought that one of your therapies, you know, caused a whole lot of success, the one that you didn't do. Um, but I think at one point we were doing speech therapy when my son was, you know, two. I'm like, do we give this up? Because he is not speaking <laughs> Um, but I'm like, we're just going to continue pushing this for hours a day um, or hours a week, I guess. But, you know, we should just keep going and you never know kind of what they're absorbing. Absolutely. 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 I think, um, well, when I was, when Andrew was five or six years old, I remember myself I got to the point where I was absolutely exhausted driving him from one therapy to another. He was in 20 hours plus therapies a week. Uh, and I didn't see any results and I was so frustrated. And then I've heard a phrase uh, from one of the parents whose child uh, he had autism. The child was 17 and he was doing okay. He was actually going to college. And that parent said, just remember with our children, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that's exactly what it is. I would say, don't get discouraged when you don't see results. Uh, you might not see any improvement for a year, maybe even for a couple of years. You know, Don't give up, just keep going. And then one day, this child will surprise you. And Andrew is 19, he still surprises me. And, you know, the most... Uh, the biggest progress he ever made, you might be surprised, in the last four years, from 15 to 19. I look back, this four years back, he's a totally different person. He is very mature. 
uh, he is very much involved. Um, he's, he's, he's totally different. I never thought he would have this level of maturity understanding as he has today, just wow. four years. Okay. Because you answered another question that I had for, for you was, like, do you think he's still developing? It sounds like... I guess they're they're you know they're globally delayed, so maybe they're developing later on in life. (laughs) Absolutely, and their curve is just uh, yes, they they will develop longer than other uh, neurotypical children. I I believe I I see Andrew is a little proof of that. Yeah, and you mentioned you have another son. How is their relationship? Um, So when they were little, uh, they. They hang out together, you know, they were good brothers to each other. Uh, of course, any siblings, they would pick in one another, especially I would say Nick would pick in Andrew because Nick realized that later, even though Andrew is older brother, he kind of felt that he's older maybe. Um, then we went for a very long period of time, I would say sort of darkness in their relationships. Um, because Nick always felt that Andrew gets more attention, even though, and that naturally happens, right? I mean, if there are 20 hours of therapy I have to take my child, it's a 20 hours of that my other child get less <laughs> of my time. Um, I try to involve Nick and until he really understood that Andrew has a, has a problem. He did have a lot of jealousy going on. Um, and even poor little guy, <laughs> because we took Andrew to so many doctors and Nick didn't need any. He would start pretending he has issues. He'd start complaining about his heart, that his heart hurts. So I had to take, take him to a doctor. Of course, there's nothing there. <laughs> I actually did sign up Nick one time for therapy as well. Well, Andrew was in therapy. Oh. <laughs> Nick was in therapy. I thought it wouldn't hurt insurance coverage. So. You do what you have to do. That's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> Um, yeah, because I think some of us have two kids. We worry about that. And uh, yeah, I, I could see how your your younger son feels like the older son and also could feel left out. And, um, yes, and, and we had to have a conversation with Nick um, when he was a little bit younger. Maybe he was 15, 14, when he already started um, understanding that Andrew has an issue that we love them equally and that's the truth it's just Nick needs um, way less guidance and way less time and Andrew needs more time and more efforts and yeah. and that's a kind of a it was always fluctuates like whenever I said Nick whenever you need more time my time dad's time we give it to you right and gave him an example um, and, and I think he, he got it yeah man so okay and just even now do they you know do they hang out or does you know does Andrew have a group of friends that he hangs out with unfortunately he doesn't um Andrew was always gravitated towards adults um I think because he was because he was nonverbal for a long time and then when mm-hmm. he starts speaking it would he actually does have a speech impediment he stutters quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. he is aware of it um and uh, I think it holds him back. And then also, Andrew has very specific interests. Like Andrew, <laughs> uh, for all this time, he was into Kardashians. 
I don't watch the shows. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I probably wouldn't mind, but I don't have time for that. <laughs> uh, he loves housewives. I don't watch the shows. And I, oh I didn't That's... introduce him. He is all about relationships and drama. And I think Andrew learned quite a bit about relationships in those shows. Maybe not through the great examples, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so... You know, a lot of kids his age, they are into the gaming. Andrew is not. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He always, uh, he felt more comfortable with with women um, rather than, than guys, actually. I think maybe because women are more patient, maybe more nurture, nurturing, and maybe because through years of uh, therapies, through mostly female um, providers, maybe that has play the role I don't know um, but what's interesting uh, the school where he went to um, they had a para educators there which were phenomenal they provided such a great support you know my biggest fear always was that mm, no one will show up at the Andrew's birthday so he had 19 birthday it never happened we always had people and uh, Andrew uh, called his teachers teacher friends and so now he calls them friends. Um, Andrew's 19, they actually, they're 30 in their 30s. So yeah. they even have things in common now. They can talk about yeah. housewives shows and yeah. productions. <laughs> uh, uh, so they still stay in touch. They left school a long time ago. Uh, so one of them left school about five years ago. The other one, I think three but they still keep in touch and they show up at Andrew's birthday every year and um, yeah Andrew calls them they call him back and uh, he considers them their friends that's amazing and just even you telling me that he calls them it's just that is just something that I I can't even imagine for my son and it's just like I love hearing that so he's actually you know talking on the phone <laughs> that's amazing but it really, it really took a long time. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and and you've just given so many great stories and so much great advice. I don't know if there's any other advice that I that you have not already given that you still have for other parents that you want to impart on us. <laughs> uh, I would I would say I I really would um, reiterate the phrase that I've heard from a parent with the older child when I was frustrated. Just keep going, you know, remember it's a, that's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's really helpful to think that way when you get find yourself in the corner, when you get frustrated, when you get discouraged. Because uh, sometimes it takes a long time to see the results. Um, I think that, that will resonate with a lot of us. <laughs> so thank you. You just gave me a lot of hope and I hope you gave a lot of other listeners hope of just sticking with it and you know you'll see some success and you know maybe we won't see as much success as Andrew has had um but it just it it does give give me hope I mean it's even amazing like at that you're still seeing results now absolutely absolutely and and just remember your child will surprise you you will be amazed you will be amazed your your son just sounds very similar to mine and like your experiences sound very similar to mine so it does give does give me hope because communication is, is is like the biggest hurdle right now um because i know there's so much in his head and we just can't get it out how old is your child how old is your son he is 
four oh, now. He's four. So he's he's about four and a half. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he's got a couple of words, but he he'll say it. He will not repeat it. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, we actually went through that period of time as well. And oh yes, also we <laughs> we should probably mention that maybe that will be helpful for someone. We also went through the period where Andrew. Uh, what the doctors called uh, jargon. He basically would pretend he speaks. He's go, you know, it's like he would pretend like it's a speech. Um, My son could have a whole conversation like that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's a wonderful, wonderful sign. Uh, because uh, as I was explained, uh, it's actually the sign that speech is coming. It's like it's a bubble, like a, a two-year-old, a year and a half. You know, when they start bubbling, um, I actually, I, I was slightly frustrated with this, and I was trying to tell it to introduce words, and to say this, but it was so cute. I remember um, kids were little, Andrew was three, and he was going through this jargon, and I told Andrew we were in the car with his brother, I said, Andrew, stop! You need to use words. Say this. And Nick said, Mom, don't do that. I understand. I know exactly what he's saying. I look at him. I said, what is he saying? And Nick goes, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he knew exactly what he was saying. Yeah, so, so, so it's a really good sign. Okay. Okay, good. I like to hear that because there's, there's a lot of that, like whole conversations of babbling. Yes, um, yes. So... Yes. Okay. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a sure sign of the development of speech. So another thing that I have to mention is when I first got the scraven deardorff diagnosis for my son, and I went on Facebook on the scraven deardorff page and was scrolling through it, I stumbled on the video of your son, and I just... I was like, I ran upstairs to show my husband. I was like, he's speaking. He's having, he's like doing a cooking video. He was actually doing a cooking video for, for people. And I was amazed. I, I put this video out there for other uh, parents to, to be, to get encouragement because I was exactly in your shoes and the shoes of the parents who just starting this uh, journey. And I remember how, much frustrated I was how much you know how much I didn't know I didn't know what to anticipate I when your child doesn't speak when all the other children his age speak it's hard to believe your child will right so so yes things happen and things will happen to your children as well to your child I feel badly for you having to go through so many years and you're the trailblazer for all of us and you have more unknown ahead of you where at least some of us with the younger kids are looking at you and be like, at least we know what the next 10 years might look like. Um, so we're just going to keep watching you on how Andrew progresses. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be happy to share. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for listening. I hope you found today's discussion helpful in your rare journey. If there are any other topics you want me to discuss, questions you have for some guests, or if you want to be a guest on the show yourself, please reach out to me via the email included in the show description. Please also visit skdeas.org to learn more about Scraben Deerdorf 
and consider making a donation to help fund research to help our kids. Talk soon.